It's time for JT the Brick. I love my job. I love the opportunity that I can come in here and talk to the Raider Nation. Put some respect on JT the Brick's name. The plan was to get this roster with this new regime. They were not keeping this roster, my friend. Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels was not keeping the roster they inherited from Mayock and Gruden and before that. And there were going to be changes, and we told you. Are you with me on that? Excuses die. The record stands. JT the Brick. That's it. That's all we've been telling you all year if you've been listening. They have a plan. I'm not saying it's going to work. It's going to be 100%. But I'm behind the plan. The plan is to get it up to speed where it's really good for a long period of time. But you are what your record is. Sound off like you got a pair. And now, JT, the man to miss the legend. Here's JT the Brick. Welcome back to our final hour of the week here on the flagship of the Raiders, Raider Nation Radio. Everyone have an outstanding weekend. I think it's going to be an unbelievable weekend here in Vegas with Selection Sunday coming up on Sunday for the NCAA tournament. We're really excited about that. I go on the radio Sunday night on Sirius XM with the brackets. Back in the day, I used to host these things called Calcutta's in town for people that wanted to gamble on all that. I'm really into the bracket. Uh, That's one of the goofy things left in sports that I still like. I like going and getting the, the newspaper on Monday, getting USA Today at my Local gas station by my house, Terribles. At one time, I get, the, I get the newspaper delivered to my house, the Las Vegas Review Journal, but I like to get a couple of them, print out some brackets, and then read up. So it's a pretty big prep week next week with not only NFL free agency, but March Madness. And again, not diving into these smaller schools that got into the tournament, but trying to fill out a bracket. And I don't know what queue or what everybody here has in store Normally, we have some type of bracket contest at the website. If you go to lvsportsnetwork.com, I know someone's probably going to do something, and uh, hopefully we'll do that. I've been doing this long enough where I used to have people send me their brackets in the mail. I'll never forget that. Early in my career, my wife, we'd get hundreds of brackets that came in, and we would, they'd come to our studio, and then I'd bring them home at night, and my wife and I would open up all the envelopes and put the brackets out in order of top seeds and all of that. We've come a long way with apps and all of that. So fill out your bracket and have your bracket done by next Wednesday. And next Wednesday, we're live from the Strat from noon to 3, as we'll be there to kick off March Madness. So last night was an interesting night, as I mentioned earlier in the first hour. Last night was a great sports night in Vegas. UNLV almost knocked off Boise State. The cover of the paper today, furious rally falls short. Rebels charge back from 22-point hole and run out of steam in overtime. And they battled to the end. Cover story by Sam Gordon. Kruger's team battled to the bitter end. They did. I didn't expect them to beat Boise. I expected them to compete. They almost got blown out early in that game. And Kevin's team showed a lot of grit late in that team uh, game to come back and get it to overtime. And actually, when they did get it to overtime, as we played that soundbite in the first hour, it was so good. I thought maybe they could shock the world and then anything could happen from there. So it's still disappointing that the UNLV program isn't the way it was in the late uh, 80s, excuse me, into the 90s, but it's going to take almost a miracle to get players like that now in here. But I just hope that Kevin, along with the new football coach at UNLV, can continue to recruit, get into the portal, NIL gets bigger, and more and more of these student-athletes want to play at UNLV. Quickly, the Knights game was crazy. They had the lead. The game was over. Tampa pulls the goalie. Next thing you know, tempers, ejections, all the insanity. But the Knights won in overtime against an excellent hockey team on the road to win that game 4-3. to three. So that's two points. 
So last night you had that game started early because it was on the East Coast in Tampa. Then we had UNLV going late, and now tonight we have these great games. I'll be at the Pac-12 over at T-Mobile, UCLA, number two team in the country playing in the first game, and then Arizona, Arizona State. My son goes to Arizona State, so hopefully I'll be repping some type of gear as an Arizona State uh, dad going into that game. So great weekend coming up here. Now for football next week, uh, we're going to talk a lot more about free agency, and maybe we'll have some closure on the quarterback conversation and exactly what's going to happen with the Raiders at quarterback. Yesterday, we did our fun little Jarrett Stidham show. As I tweeted out, we got great feedback yesterday on Jarrett Stidham, everyone. We really did. Uh, a lot of people called in, and others were able to just tweet and even text us here. I normally don't look at the text as much, but a lot of people want to see Jarrett Stidham start for the Raiders this upcoming season. That's too early for me to go down that road. There's no way I'm going there. No chance because there's so much that could happen here in the coming weeks. So I think by signing Stidham and getting him in the building again under contract, which is not a done deal, hopefully it's getting closer to that, he'll be one of the quarterbacks, the bridge quarterback. If he ends up being the starter, I vision him being the starter only if the Raiders take a quarterback high in the first seven picks or trade up and even get a better quarterback than there could be there at seven. Then I have no problem with Stidham being the starter because we have the franchise, face of the franchise, rookie quarterback for the future. And that player, if it's Anthony Richardson, if it's Will Levis, if, even if it's C.J. Stroud. And C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, I believe, are going to start pretty early in their careers. But I would much rather go with Stidham to start the first quarter of the season or first half of the season if there's a rookie quarterback there. I don't know how you're going to deal with it. But if that happens, I think that could be a really big positive because the Raiders will have their face of the franchise, and you need it. Derek Carr was the face of the franchise. He's a quarterback. Max Crosby's the face of the franchise on defense, but the quarterback's the most important position. So I want to refer to Deshaun Reed, who does great work covering the Raiders for The Athletic. He wrote a column, The Raiders' Best Free Agents, Fits. And he went through a bunch of the potential targets that are here. And Deshaun Reed started off the column yesterday. The Raiders will have about $39.07 million in practical cap space when free agency begins on Monday. According to Over the Cap, a general manager, Dave Ziegler, wants to build through the draft, but they will have to come away from this period with some contributors in order to take a step forward in 2023. Absolutely. No matter what the Raiders do, they have to get into free agency and they got to bring some players here on the defensive side. So he puts together a list, but first Deshaun put out the list of Raider free agents. And I have this list, and I was working on it in my notes, but it was a little bit deeper than I thought. The Raiders have a lot of players who are unrestricted free agents. Rocky Asin, Jerry Tillery, uh, some of the more familiar ones, Cleland Farrell, obviously, Edge Rusher, unrestricted free agent. Uh, Jayon Brown, the linebacker. Denzel Perryman, unrestricted. Jermaine Illuminor, the tackle, offensive tackle, unrestricted. Brandon Parker, unrestricted. I've spent a lot of time with Brandon this offseason at alumni events. Really good guy. Jared Stidham, who I mentioned, unrestricted. And then you start going down this list. Deron Harmon, who I'd like to see back again. He's unrestricted at safety. Now, he doesn't have to start, but I like him in the game. I like him on the field because of his experience overall and coming from the Patriots. Roderick Teamer is restricted. Foster Moreau, hey, what's Foster Moreau going to do? 
behind Darren Waller? Does Foster Moreau want to be a starter somewhere else? Does he believe he can be? Or will he sign here? What will the deal look like there? And Mac Hollins, unrestricted. So there's a lot of guys that have to be signed if we're expecting them to be here at a minimum. But then he went into the list of the possible free agent signings here. And the number one on most every list is Javon Hargrave, the defensive tackle of the Eagles. And Deshaun wrote, the Raiders want to build their defense from front to back. And Hargrave happens to be the best defensive player on the market. He's an elite run stuffer and pass rusher from multiple alignments along the interior line. Now, here's the problem. He's the number one free agent. He's going to cost the most amount of money, I would assume. He's coming off a career year, 60 tackles, 10 tackles for a loss, 11 sacks in the interior, and still in his prime at the age of 30. He'd give the Raiders a hell of an inside uh, duo playing alongside Max Crosby and could, could potentially unlock aging pass rusher Chandler Jones. If the Raiders wanted to go all in with one player, that can make a difference for the entire defense. It's Javon Hargrave from the Eagles. You saw him play in the Super Bowl. He was incredible in the NFC playoffs and in the championship game in the NFC. That, to me, would be Christmas Day on steroids if the Raiders got him. Also, Deshaun Reed put on his list at number two, James Bradbury, the cornerback from the Eagles. Remember, he was called for holding on that final play that set up the first down and the opportunity for Mahomes to work the clock down so they were able to win the game with the field goal, and Philadelphia didn't have any time left. But Bradbury had a great year, and he's a good player. And he was a first-team All-Pro last season, and he's familiar with Patrick Graham's system from his time with the Giants from 2020 to 2021. Remember, we were talking about him when we found out that Patrick Graham was coming here, and he's available again here from the Eagles. Again, I don't know if the Raiders want to do that in the draft, but here's a guy proven coming off a down moment at the Super Bowl, but he played great all year long. Uh, they got a couple other safeties there. I don't know if the Raiders are going to get I just mentioned Duran Harmon. They have Trayvon Merrick, but if they could get Jesse Bates away from the Bengals, and he's a hell of a player. He's one of the top safeties in the league. Deshaun Reed has him ranked at number three. Here's a good one. Ju- Juwan Taylor, the tackle of the Jaguars. Left tackle gets the most attention, but right tackles matter too. The Raiders know all too well, as the position has been a turnstile for them in recent years, Taylor would put that to an end, giving him bookend tackles with Colt Miller. Sounds great to me. If the Raiders can get a right tackle and not have to worry about developing one in the draft, I've always said if you're going to get a left tackle and a right tackle, find the ones that are proven, find, find the ones who have film, who have played in big games, and Taylor is at the top of the list. Uh, finally, one more name, a couple more. Jamel Dean, the cornerback from the Buccaneers. He became a full-time starter last season. He racked up 41 pass deflections. Another top 10 cornerback available. If the Raiders don't get Bradbury, would they look at Dean from the Buccaneers? I think he's a really good player. And then the linebacker of the Rams. This one's fascinating to me. Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner's getting old. But he didn't look like he was getting old last year. He was released because the Rams are a mess, not because of his play. He posted a monster stat line of 140 tackles, 10 for losses, 6 sacks on his way to his second-team All-Pro. Problem is he's 33 years old next season, but he's another age-defying veteran who the Raiders could like. And Mike McGlinchey, I know a lot of 49er fans know who he is, obviously from the Niners. I think he could fit in nicely with the Raiders here, too, at right tackle. 
And uh, he's improved over the last couple of years, no doubt about it. So I wanted to quote Deshaun Reed. He put this up at The Athletic if you want to see some of the names that are there. I think really important. Can the Raiders jump into free agency and in the first days of free agency come out with a defensive tackle or a corner? That's really important to me because you got to get a veteran, proven guy, and the Raiders have plenty of money to do it. Now, a couple of people have tweeted me still about Lamar Jackson and how much money the Raiders would have to have an escrow and give up two first-round picks if they were able to do that. I don't think they're going to do that, but I can't believe how many people in the Raider Nation believe that's a possibility as I look at my tweets and after what we talked about yesterday or the day before on Lamar Jackson there. So those are some of the topics in free agency. I think the big priority is Jared Stidham. You know, I've had this term in college, don't count your kegs before they're tapped. I think a lot of fans who are listening to this show think it's automatic that Jared Stidham's going to be here. Nothing's automatic until he signs on the dotted line. So that's going to be really important. So back to last night, I want to give a shout-out to F1. I was at Paris watching the game with John Ramey. As I mentioned, he's the voice of UNR, basketball and football. And afterwards, we had to go from Paris to Virgin Hotels. My wife was there wrapping up a dinner. And I said, let's walk. It's a beautiful night. Let's walk. And he goes, really? I go, yeah, you know, I don't want to wait around for an Uber. Let's get some steps in and walk. So we walked from behind Paris, and I could see Virgin off in the distance. And we tried to walk through the F1 construction site. And we did a pretty good job. He was amazed to see. Have you seen this F1 construction site where they're building the paddocks, where the cars are going to be, the garages? It's amazing. It's right behind Paris, right behind Planet Hollywood, on your way to Virgin, right there off of Harmon. So we started walking through it. And we were walking through, and there's bulldozers and all of that, and no security. We weren't breaking the law. There was no fence at that time. Then we got to the end of the construction site, and there was a fence that was open. So we walked through the fence that was open, and then we walked for what felt like, felt like a half a mile. And it wasn't, but it felt like it. And then we got to finally a fence, and we were boxed in and couldn't get out. So we had to walk all the way back and walk outside and walk around the corner again until we got to Virgin. But my buddy John looked at that F1 construction site and said, JT, I've been in Vegas for 20, 30 years. Coming here, I've never seen anything like it. And I said, yeah, this is F1. This is what this is going to be. That piece of property, I believe I'm correct to say, sold for a quarter of a billion dollars. $250 million. It's got to be ready by November. And we were on that construction site last night. They got a lot of work to do. Unfortunately, here in Vegas, they'll get it done in time. But wow, just wow to see the magnitude of F1 and what that location looks like. Just blown away. So if you're thinking about getting your tickets for F1, you've been seeing some of the prices here, which are alarming to me. $10,000 tickets, five, twenty-five hundred. I guess they have some general admission tickets for, I don't know, was it $500, including some non-alcoholic beverages. And then a lot of people are trying to get rooms and trying to figure out how they're going to get a room on the Strip. Good luck with that. I'm hearing anybody say that Strip rooms that overlook the race are going to go from ten to $20,000 a night. Packages for $100,000, including passes and all these VIP experiences. This is going to jump on us in a quick way. So fun to see the F1 location there last night. As I'm watching golf, the big golf story is John Rahm withdrew from the players due to illness. So that was a big deal. If you had a ticket on it with John Rahm to win the players, he walked away. Your ticket is dead. And Tiger Woods today, more uh, negative news on Tiger Woods with his attorney. 
his ex-girlfriend wants to break their written agreement. And uh, this is a big deal. She has uh, really spoke up on this. Erica Herman, Tiger Woods' attorney today, said that he's never had an oral or written Tennessee agreement with former girlfriend Erica Herman, who has sued a trust that she claims Woods controls for at least $30 million after he asked her to move out of his home following their breakup in October. I've been looking into this lawsuit here. It's incredible. In a motion to intervene, Woods' attorney today wrote that Herman sued the trust to avoid an agreement she made with the 15-time major champion to arbitrate all disputes. She worked as a general manager at one of Tiger Woods' restaurants before they had a personal relationship. And he's also asking a judge to remove her from a non-disclosure agreement she had, which she signed with him in August of 2017. Woods' attorney claimed the trust owns only a limited remainder of interest in his home in Jupiter, Florida. Can you imagine what it must be like to date Tiger Woods? He had this girl, Erica, locked up, signing agreements as they started their relationship. They finally broke up. It obviously looks like a nasty breakup here, and she's suing for the opportunity to talk, let alone $30 million here. So this Tiger Woods story is developing really hot, and fortunately there's a lot of good golf, and the Masters are right around the corner. A couple of news here on the NFL side. The Cowboys are reworking two of their contracts, which I find very interesting, ahead of free agency and what's coming up here in the draft, including Dak Prescott. So whenever we see a quarterback contract come up, we wonder what does that mean? Will that contract be re- reworked in the past? Yes, the Cowboys reworked Dak's contract, and Zach Martin, they freed up $30 million in cap space. I bring this up today on Friday because could Dave Ziegler potentially do this with a couple of the high-priced Raiders as they want to get further under the cap here? Are there some contracts on the Raiders roster here that could be reworked? Derek Carr is gone. But who are the high-priced players that are here? Chandler Jones comes to mind. I think Max just got his contract done, along with Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller. But what about Colt Miller? I don't touch any of these guys' money. But this is a huge breaking news story earlier today. The Cowboys were roughly pegged at about $18 million over the cap. But this gives them room under the cap and wiggle room to re-sign some of their own free agents-to-be before the market opens up. So this is going to be very interesting for Dak Prescott. He's in the third year of a four-year, $160 million deal. He was set to make $31 million in base salary this year with a $49 million salary cap figure, which is only second behind Deshaun Watson. So all the time we talked about quarterback this week, all of a sudden Dak reworks his deal so the Cowboys will have some flexibility. He'll get the money. They just give it to him more in in a bonus as they restructure that. And the Cowboys now will have more than $59 million as the result of this restructure. And Dak's cap uh, figure is roughly $27 million. The quarterback money here is completely out of control. So we talked to Jerry uh, Coleman coming up here. Jerry Coleman's going to join us. We're going to talk to him about what's happening with the Ravens and Lamar Jackson coming up here on the other side. Also, Chris Myers from the NFL on Fox scheduled to join us here. I just missed Chris. He was in town for NASCAR as I was in Florida last week. We'll talk to him about NASCAR, but more importantly, the quarterback carousel. And then as I'm looking at NFL Network, it's all Aaron Rodgers today. Everybody's waiting on Aaron Rodgers and his ability or not to make a decision 
I think over the weekend would be the time to make that decision if he's going to be a Jet or if he's going to announce that he's going to stay with the Packers. And if he's going to do that, he's definitely going to have to let the Packers know ahead of time and let the Packers control that narrative. Can't wait to see UCLA tonight. The Bruins hope to return to the NCAA. They are a top seed, hopefully, in the West here. I haven't seen them play live this year, but I saw them play last year in one of the classic games they had at T-Mobile. So fired up for that. ASU, uh, Arizona, that's going to be a good game. And goodbye to UNLV men's basketball. Again, to Kevin Kruger and his staff, I just hope for success in the offseason, in the portal, the ability to recruit a little bit better, and hopefully a star player comes into UNLV and wants to help the program get to the next level. Kevin Kruger is the right guy for this job, the son of Lon Kruger, and his team fought their ass off to get that game into overtime and came up a little bit short against Boise State. Clearly, we want to uh, give a shout-out to the Golden Knights. As I mentioned to start this segment, that 4-3 win against Tampa Bay is big. They're still on that long East Coast road trip. If they would have blew that 3-1 lead and lost in overtime, that clearly would have been the worst loss of the year. And they got two points, so congratulations to them. And then for the Raiders, there's a big event this weekend where Mark Davis is going to get an award, and I can't wait to be there with my wife, uh, with several members of the Raider organization, as Mark Davis will be uh, pointed out and will be given a beautiful award for his philanthropy and everything that he's done here in this town. Very proud of that and everything the Raiders do in this community when it comes to philanthropy. All right, coming up next, Chris Myers from the NFL on Fox. We're going to go through the top prospects next week. And all of these mock drafts, Daniel Jeremiah just put up on NFL Network his mock draft. Let me quickly rewind that for you. I want to give you the Raider pick. This is the 3.0 Daniel Jeremiah NFL draft. Where does he have here the Raiders? Okay, he has the seventh potential pick talent-wise, C.J. Stroud and Will Levis. So Will Levis is right there with C.J. Stroud. The best player on his mock is Bryce Young. The edge, Will Anderson, Jr., the edge rusher from Alabama. And then Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle from Georgia, who had some problems. There was a car accident as he was street racing. Two individuals died in the other car, and his stock could be dropping and he might be the number one player in the draft. Could he fall to the Raiders at number seven or between five and seven and make it really interesting? JT on the flagship. That's 21 minutes. I'm rolling here on a Friday. Crack a Modelo with me, brought to you by the fighting spirit of Modelo and your bucket of Modelos on a Friday. Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio on this windy, colder Friday. Pac-12, Mount West, man, that UNLV game last night should have been a victory for the Rebels when they made that miracle three to get to overtime. I was over at the Paris Hotel with a friend of mine, John Ramey, the voice of UNR basketball. So Reno got knocked off, so I had a chance to go have a drink with John, who's been a longtime friend of mine, and we were sitting at the main bar there, right, in Paris when you walk in having a beverage, and we look up, and we're watching UNLV. Never thought they would win, hoping they would, against Boise State. They hit that miracle three. The whole lobby of that casino just shows you how many people are visiting for March Madness. You had the whole UNR team that lost and was there watching. The whole packed hotel going crazy. 
as the Rebels get to overtime and lose. Always uh, good congratulations to Kevin Kruger with this season, this team. I know they didn't reach their goals, but I'm a big fan of him, and I think they got the right guy long-term, but tough loss there. So a couple quick things. Wednesday, we're at the Strat. So that's this upcoming Wednesday. We're going to be there. It's going to be a lot of fun, so come on out. It's the official March Madness Mania kickoff party, they're calling it, over there at the Strat Hotel and Casino. We're going to be giving away all kinds of cool stuff, including autographed jerseys and basketballs, shirts, hats, and more. It's the March Mania kickoff party this upcoming Wednesday at the Strat Hotel and Casino with Raider Nation Radio. Looking forward to getting there. A lot of you haven't been to the Strat since they've done their remodel and haven't seen their flagship PTs, which is in there. So I think it's going to be fantastic for college basketball if you don't have a plan yet. Remember, the tournament really starts on Thursday, but the official start of the tournament is Wednesday with the play-in game. So we're really excited to be there with our partner, Golden Entertainment. All right, Chris Myers joins us. Nice to get him here on a Friday from the NFL on Fox. Also, the face of NASCAR on NASCAR on Fox and a lot of MLB work coming up here in studio for Fox. Chris, thanks for joining us on a Friday. Thanks for coming in. Welcome to my quarterback carousel. I'm doing well. It's good to be on with you. It seems like now it happens every year, not just with quarterbacks in the draft, but quarterbacks that are available or at least want to be available or aren't happy where they are. Teams feeling that they're one big name quarterback away from, uh, from getting to the playoffs or Super Bowl. Knowing that Woody Johnson flew out to your neck of the woods to meet with Aaron Rodgers, you know, the sense of urgency for the Jets to try to get it done. Clearly, they get permission from Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers obviously takes the meeting. Woody gets the private jet in the air, brings everyone who matters. I mean, are you sensing it's getting closer? That doesn't seem like there's a lot of options for Aaron Rodgers with that $60 million guaranteed. Well, that's a good point. I, the, the Jets, and that was the rumor swirling, hey, if the Rodgers thing fell apart, would they, would they try to get Matthew Stafford? That was quickly shot down where the Rams said, hey, he's, he's our quarterback. But uh, the, you know, Rodgers forced all of this, you know, JT, and we, we thought, you know, last year, if it was going to happen, it, w- it would happen then. And then, he, he, you know, he got the contract and he got, you know, young receivers drafted and, and there's still something not right. And from the Packers standpoint, uh, you know, they invested in their quarterback of the future, maybe too soon, which, which ignited this whole Rodgers uh, getting out of town kind of thing, although Rodgers has had a hand to that as well. So I, I feel like this is more uh, – both sides kind of want this to happen. At least that's the impression I get. And does Rodgers want it to happen? And then, and then the Jets have to make sure that they get more than a year or two if they're going to make this deal for Rodgers. they got to make sure that he'll say, hey, you know, don't come out here and play a year and, and say I want to retire or start this thing over again in our organization depending upon what we have to give up. But it certainly is fascinating to watch. And i got to say this, JT, too. You know, with Denver, we, we know what they did with Russell Wilson. I'm not comparing the two. I don't know mm-hmm. that the Jets are as close as they think they are uh, to make it a Super Bowl run. I mean, maybe a playoff team. They were a below 500 team last year. I mean, the Packers had Aaron Rodgers, and, and they, they, you know, they missed the playoffs. So uh, there are no guarantees here I, I, if you're going to you know, put it all on the table. And at least from the Jets' standpoint, I don't know if they'll have to give up as much as people thought you would have to give up a year or so ago to get a guy like Aaron Rodgers or what Denver panicked and gave up for, uh, for Russell Wilson. I agree. Chris Myers is our guest. And the big problem with him is if he stays in the NFC with the quarterback problem with the 49ers, Derek Carr goes to New Orleans. I think they're going to be better. But there's still a lot of, I think, inconsistency in the NFC by staying in Green Bay for one more year. 
he could finally go out on his term. I don't think he wants to play more than two. I think three is way. I know he doesn't want to play three. So go out the right way. Have one of those moments, Derek Jeter. Go out at with one team. But Chris, you know this because you've called these games and you've worked with all these legends. Montana went to Kansas City. Far bounced around to a few more. Peyton Manning to Denver, and then Tom Brady to Tampa Bay. So it's easy for Rodgers to see a path because all the great legends and his heroes before them all left to go to other teams at the end of their career. Yeah, and I covered closely the whole Brett Favre saga of, of leaving uh, Green Bay, the, the Jets, Minnesota's playoff run. And, and you know, look, it's, it's a nice thing if you can play your entire career in, in one place and have, have success. But I, I don't fault a guy if he still wants to play uh, and move to another franchise. I, I just think honor your contract, do it in a classy way, don't play games. Uh, you know, say what you mean at the time. If you really mean it, people can change their mind. That that's part of it all. But yes, this is you know you brought up an interesting point about the NFC quarterbacks. I, I you know the, the AFC. If if, if Rodgers does go over there, I mean they're, they're just totally stacked. Not only with the young, talented future guys, but but you, you look what Derek Carr does to that division in the NFC South with the with the Brady retirement. Just that move alone to New Orleans gives them at least right now the most stable quarterback position in the division to help get them into the into the playoffs so I don't know that you could automatically given what what talent with you know, Burrow Mahomes Josh Allen I mean Rodgers can go to the Jets but he's got a lot to go through to try to get the Jets to the Super Bowl but maybe Jeff fans will just take a playoff appearance if, if, given yeah. what they've been through through the years absolutely Chris Myers is our guest so I don't believe in collusion here with Lamar Jackson, I just thought it was a terrible contract for Deshaun Watson at $240 million guaranteed. That did not give him the reason to believe he could get that. That was a throwout statistic. That was bizarre. Jimmy Haslam doing that, especially with the controversy of Deshaun Watson and what he was dealing with in Houston. So Steve Bashotti, and these are all owners that you know, basically were saying, no, you go now. You don't have an agent. You go look for another deal with another team, and we'll match it. If it looks fair to Baltimore and they like it, if not – Lamar Jackson's going to play for significant money and probably have to play on that franchise tag. Chris, I have a feeling this is going to get a little bit ugly because he doesn't have an agent. He's a really good player. Lamar's only 26 with an MVP in his prime. As you look at this deal, what do you see for us here as a voice in the NFL? What could happen here? Yeah, well, no, and I agree with you. It's going to get ugly. It's already awkward. Look, he's a talented player. He's a, he's a, he's a fine guy to talk to. Uh, you're right about him being young. He has had, because of the kind of player he is, uh, the injury factor in the last couple of years, a little bit different you know, since that MVP year in, in 2019. I, I agree with that. There is no collusion. All right. The, you see what, what owners will do when there's a talented quarterback who they think that can put them over the top. And you just mentioned it. Deshaun Watson, they'll pay whatever they have to, even with a guy who's you know, come under fire for questionable character. So that's Cleveland's issue. And you can't compare everything to that. And you saw where the Browns ended up and what they've been through it. And I don't have a lot of hope for that organization with Deshaun Watson going forward, but that's their issue. I think they've been more than fair in trying to give a contract to Lamar Jackson to keep him there. It's obvious that they want him and, and they believe in his talent. Uh, he's a different kind of, of, of quarterback, and he has to accept that. And, and you know, he's a young, healthy guy going forward here. Uh, he's got to protect himself a little bit better. I mean, his passing numbers, you look at stats and things like that, he's certainly capable. And I think maybe there's still some upside and improvement in, in the passing game there. But uh, to think that it's anything other than trying to make the best deal for him and the franchise, um, I, the Ravens are playing this as smartly as they can. 
uh, given the circumstances that you just mentioned. But I think kind of collusion talk is is ridiculous. If if teams could get a guy, the right quarterback that they think can make the difference, they're going to pay him, and they've shown that uh, time after time. Wrapping up with Chris Myers from calling Jimmy Garoppolo games and seeing him play over the years, he wins games. And again, there's always injuries. Durant slips in warmups. He's hurt. He's not injury prone. You get injured when you get injured. Most right. of these guys are great athletes. They never hurt. They get hurt playing sports. That doesn't mean they're injury prone. But a lot of people, when I take calls on Jimmy Garoppolo, everyone reminds me that he wins a lot, but he gets hurt and he's not available. Where do you think he fits into this marketplace? Because he can start, he can make every throw. But he's played on some pretty good teams with the Niners and New England. Gave him a lot of wins under his belt when he had an opportunity to play. Yeah, it was around that team a lot. Covered that team uh, through the year uh, when they went to the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo. He's got the same issue, in, as you said. Whether he's injury prone or not, the reality is the, if you're going to invest in a guy like that, a quarterback, you need him healthy. It's kind of what we said about Lamar Jackson. They're different kind of quarterbacks. And, and look, Garoppolo has to be the kind of guy you saw what he did in San Francisco. He's not at that level that some, you know, the, the elite guys we're talking about that can go to a place and, and, and right away change them. But he's a steady hand. I put him in the same category as a Derek Carr if he, he's healthy. Derek Carr has been healthier and has shown that. I see Garoppolo getting a starting chance somewhere. I, originally, I, I thought Tampa might make a move, and they still might. The Bucks in a different way, but right now it looks like with Gabbert and Trask, that's where they're they're sitting. But, but there's I, I still count eight, nine teams that really want a starting a starting quarterback, need an established starting quarterback, and some will go for something in the draft. But Garoppolo will land somewhere, given the and the Daniel Jones deal too. You know, JT a year ago, I would have said, "Hey, I don't know," like a lot of Giant fans. But I I saw enough, and I think they saw enough with their new head coach and and, and coaching staff with. Uh, with what uh, Brian Dable did there and Mike Kafka, the offensive coordinator, they saw enough progress to invest in him. And I think part of that reason was because what were their other options? They were, look what was around and out there, uh, unless you want to give up. And they're not that close in terms of, yeah, they made the playoffs and won a playoff game, but being a Super Bowl team, so they have a guy to build around. But, yes, Garoppolo is the next guy to go somewhere after they make – and teams want him. There's at least two or three after this Aaron Rodgers thing is settled with the Jets or he stays with Green Bay. Sorry I missed you when you were in Vegas with NASCAR. I was in Florida with some family, but I saw you at the great pool at Circa after work and up top (laughs) and interviewing NASCAR drivers. Uh, Vegas treated you well here. What was it like with NASCAR in Vegas, and what's the upcoming schedule look like for you? Uh, well, that, NASCAR in Vegas, it's great twice a year. We say rather three or four times a year because the drivers have a great time and everybody, the crowds are always good. They have the neon garage, and the racing uh, turned into a dominant kind of Rick Hendricks Chevrolet, and they've led the most laps, of course, uh, throughout the course of the, this season so far. William Byron ended up winning it, and, and it was funny because the, the week before, you know, we had we had Kyle Busch having some success with Richard Childress racing in a, in a Chevy. The next stop, and we're headed there, I'll probably take in a little spring training baseball as well, is uh, Phoenix uh, coming up on Sunday. It's the short track, a one-mile track where Kevin Harvick, this is his last season before going into the broadcast booth, uh, he's, he has been dominant there with nine career wins, more, more than double of any other driver close to him. So it'll be, a, it'll be an interesting race to see the first short track race of the season, other than obviously the clash at the Coliseum, which was really kind of a tune-up for the Daytona 500. But it's a wide-open start to the, uh, to the NASCAR season. Chevys have the lead so far. The Emmy Award winner, follow him on Instagram, on Twitter, a big part of what I do on the radio. Chris, enjoy it. Have a great weekend. March Madness is here, and I hope to talk to you soon. Thanks so much for your time. We'll be watching hoops, but enjoy always talking NFL, NASCAR, and a little baseball with you. Take care, JT.
Thanks again to the great Chris Myers. A lot of quarterback movement here. It's going to be interesting to see what the pace is over the weekend and next week as we're waiting for more information. You know, one other thing about March Madness coming up here next week, NFL free agency, middle of next week. I don't recall that colliding the way it's colliding now. I mean, I know the calendar here in the league year and what's going to happen here with free agency, but I don't remember it smashing March Madness in the face. Hey, I like college basketball like everybody in March Madness, but I'm a little bit more into NFL free agency next week considering what Dave Ziegler and the Raiders are looking to do. 702-365-9200 is the number as we continue on. Coming up here in a little bit, Jerry Coleman will join us from Baltimore. He's my number one Ravens go-to guy. This Lamar Jackson story is getting more bizarre by the day. More bizarre as he feels offended, and a lot of fans around the country think there's collusion with NFL owners. I don't buy into that, but we'll talk to Jerry coming up. It's Friday. Raider Nation Radio brought to you by Modelo. Have a bucket of Modelo with me, and I hope to see you at the Pac-12 tonight. going to bring my son, who's an Arizona State sophomore. They're playing Arizona, a little rivalry game. I want to see the number two team in the country, UCLA. Looking forward to seeing them as we continue. Friday, thanks for joining us all week. This is the flagship of the Silver and Black, Raider Nation Radio. Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio as we wrap up the week here. Good week. Great job by Bobby. Uh, putting together a whole good week here. A good content, especially all the guests. We have one more coming up here in a moment. Waiting on Jerry Coleman in Baltimore on Lamar Jackson. So next week, as I've been saying throughout the show, is a really busy week for us. Wednesday, we're at the Strat to kick off March Madness. And we have a couple other announcements we'll be making throughout March Madness, including what we're going to be doing at Virgin Hotels here in Las Vegas, our proud partner, Virgin Hotels, got over there last night. There was a lot of people walking over from the Mountain West who walked over to Virgin to have a beverage, have dinner at one steakhouse. We're walking around at Olive's. My wife and her girlfriends last night had a nice dinner at Olive's inside Virgin Hotels. Fantastic restaurant. Todd English's gem right inside of Virgin. So Jerry Coleman, kind enough to join us. Get him in here on a Friday He's a Baltimore Ravens insider, longtime friend of mine. And, Jerry, thanks for making time for me today. I want to jump in with this Lamar Jackson saga. It's getting worse and worse, and it seems like he's pretty upset that they didn't get that contract extension, right? They tag him with that non-exclusive tag. You know him from practice, and you've been talking to him since he came to the organization. What do you think he's feeling today on a Friday? Well, it's got to be disappointment, and all you can go by, JT, is what you see on social media because it's so tight-knit in terms of his camp. It's him and his mother and some advisors from the NFLPA, and the fact that he doesn't have an agent, which we have talked about endlessly in the past, has really, I think, cost him millions of dollars. In terms of how big of a story it is in Baltimore, it dominates the landscape right now. It's all that's talked about on Sports Talk Radio literally 24-7. Will he stay? Will he go? Will the Ravens find compensation? Is the gamble worth it? And that still remains to be seen, but it certainly is a big roll of the dice by the Ravens. who uh, They've been going at this for over a year, Eric DaCosta and Lamar and sometimes his mother, but mostly just Lamar and Eric DaCosta. 
And, uh, you know, equated to a, a guy being in arbitration in baseball and having to hear all the negative things about your career or your season and why they shouldn't pay you. And that's what it's like between Lamar and Eric DaCosta, which is so bizarre, especially for someone getting their first big-time professional contract. Jerry Coleman joins us. So the fans all want him, right? The fans don't want to look at the other side. You know, with Aaron Rodgers, as we talk about it, there's a lot of Green Bay fans said, we've been through this. We got a championship, four MVPs. We're sick of them. We were, they were sick of Favre. Not all of them, but some at the end because they're exhausted by it. What's the level of exhaustion by the Raven fans, as you said, have been dealing with this contract negotiation for a while? I would call it a divided fan base. There are people that would like to see him go and are just, you know, tired of all the talk and, you know, the conjecture about his contract, which, again, has been going on well over a year now. And he shut it down at the beginning of last season because he had to play quarterback. And they just want it over with. And they hear the reports that the Ravens have offered, you know, over 130, close to $150 million guaranteed money. The Ravens aren't the Cleveland Browns. They're not that dumb. They're not as irrelevant as the Arizona Cardinals. They're not as desperate. So they're not going to give that kind of money that those two franchises gave to their respective quarterbacks, and especially after seeing those results. And Lamar, as great as he was in 2019, it was four years ago. They're paying him for what he's going to be down the road, not what he's accomplished. Jerry Coleman joins us, the great Ravens insider. So I'm fascinated by the guaranteed money here because, again, the 240 for Deshaun Watson's got to be thrown out. That's a throwout statistic as we touch on that. Then Kyler Murray's guarantee. Kirk Cousins had the $83 million guaranteed and easily cashed all those checks. We don't know what Lamar's going to be happy with. Is 170 guaranteed and a $240 million where he can hit all of the incentives and get all that money? I mean, what are you sensing is the real number? Because, again, without having an agent, we're all guessing. That's right. And all it takes, and you've heard this so many times, all it takes is one. All it takes is a Detroit Lions or Arthur Blank in Atlanta or someone like Stephen Ross in Miami to say, you know, we can change the course of our franchise with this quarterback and unload their bank account on them. And that's what he's hoping for, obviously. The Ravens are gambling. That's not going to be the case. And some people can call it collusion or maybe the NFL coming to their senses and realizing that these contracts are getting out of control. As much money as these owners make, they can't keep going down this road and watching this price increase for what is a very important position, the most important in all of pro sports. But Steve Bishotti was on record after the Watson contract. That's where you saw the writing was on the wall, JT, that they weren't going to match that offer, even come close to that type of guaranteed money. And that's what, frankly, the difference is. That's what Lamar is seeking. And starting Monday, we'll find out if there's going to be another team out there or an owner who's going to step up uh, and maybe face some pressure from his fan base and, and overpay him, in my opinion, if they give him $200 million. And also for the Ravens, it's a gamble. If the Ravens only get two first-round draft picks for him, that is a failure, okay? He's mm-hmm. worth more than that to the Ravens, and they should be getting more than two first-round draft picks for a, for a guy who's you know been a marquee guy in their franchise and, and helped them sell a few tickets, but not... You know, they're not selling out games because of Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, believe it or not. Jerry Coleman, Ravens insider. So you know Lamar as good as anybody, especially from a media perspective. 
if one of the owners comes in and lowballs them because there's no offers, okay, let's assume just for this conversation there's one offer and it's for $175 million guaranteed or whatever, and all of a sudden the Ravens go, yeah, we'll match that. How upset is Lamar going to be? I mean, I know he's going to be furious to play for $32 million on the one-year non-exclusive, but if it does get matched and it goes up to a decent-sized guarantee, will he play with a chip on his shoulder or he will not report to camp and he'll be so upset because he has that type of side to him that maybe our audience isn't familiar with? I've, we haven't seen that side of him. There was undertones that we started to see that side of him at the end of last season where, you know, it was considered to be a one to three, maybe four-week injury that turned into six weeks plus a playoff game, and he never even went to that playoff game with his teammates, which isn't common for that franchise, I must tell you. They covered up for him. They've said all the right things publicly to try and, you know, persuade him to stay in Baltimore. I can't see him sitting out, JT, because then he wouldn't be compensated, and it's not like he's, you know, recorded a lot of money in his career. He's made about $35, $40 million, doesn't have really too many major endorsements, if any, Uh, certainly no local commercials, has been known to turn down uh, a lot of money in terms of endorsements because they just didn't feel they needed to do it or it wasn't right. So that's why I say he's let millions go out the door. I think an agent would have helped him in that respect. But as far as playing with the chip on his shoulder, that may help him down the road, but he also has to stay healthy. And, he, you know, he's missed 10 out of the last 22 games, JT, and that's a big impact, too. I mean, when he's not out there for a playoff game, you got no chance. They had zero chance with Tyler Huntley, even if he did hand the ball off, maybe, and not try to jump over the Cincinnati Bengals defensive line. Yeah, Jerry. Jerry, call me as we wrap it up. What really disappointed me about Lamar, and we texted about it, was the fact that he didn't get on the plane for that playoff game. You know, he wasn't in a walking boot. He wasn't a guy who needed a wheelchair. You know, that again, that bothered me. And I know there's other people who look differently on that, but if he could have been on the sideline just to tell Huntley to him and pulled him over and whispered in his ear, man, you could go left on this play. They're biting down this way. The, the defensive end is going to take the bait on that RPO, and you can run around him. He wasn't there for his teammates. And I've assumed that Steve Bashotti, the owner, probably looked at that and said, how dare you not be completely in, even though you're injured and we get it, not completely be into this organization, considering this organization's had Ray Lewis, Joe Flacco's epic playoff run, Suggs, all these diehard players, the late Tony Saragusa, who you knew well. And Lamar just didn't act like a great teammate. That was the last look I had of Lamar Jackson in a team situation. And I believe that caused a little bit of division inside the locker room. In other words, mm-hmm. you heard players come out and defend him. You did hear players that didn't defend him that I know of that were just completely silent about the situation or just decided to say, you know, the guy was hurt. And we'll just have to take him at his word. Where my understanding is he could have gotten on that plane and made that trip to support his teammates, but was so upset over the whole contract situation and the way things ended that he just didn't want to be there. And I thought it was a bad look, just like most people did. Uh, People can spin it and and turn it into anything they want. All the talking heads on TV, especially the national ones who aren't close to the situation, have no clue whatsoever. And again, want to pay this guy based on what he did in 2019. Just are out of touch with, with what's going on in Owings Mills, Maryland. Always appreciate you. You're fantastic with this insight. Thanks so much, Jerry. Appreciate you. Always great being on with you. Thanks to Jerry Coleman on this story, which 
I believe, I don't know, but I believe that there are more teams involved in trying to get Lamar Jackson, especially going into the weekend. There's four or five teams that are sitting down in their boardroom at their football facility going, how can we pull this off? And they might not get him. They might be able to put out an offer to him, and Baltimore will match it, as we talked about. But maybe that Baltimore relationship's done. Maybe there's too much bad blood going on between the owner, Steve Bashotti, and Lamar Jackson. I'm not sure about that, but it can't be good. I think more and more teams should put in an offer or try to put together a plan to get Lamar Jackson. A lot of NFL talk next weekend. Keep it here to Raider Nation Radio and also Raiders.com if you want to go back ahead of the draft. Look at all the content they have at Raiders.com with all the players that were interviewed from Indianapolis along with head coach Josh McDaniels and the GM, Dave Ziegler. Great week. Thanks to Bobby. Thanks to all of our proud partners who join us every week and fund the radio show and keep it going for us, man. So many great partners here. I just want to thank a few. We'd like to thank them all here, but Bobby tells me we're running out of time. Thanks to the Castelverde Law Group. Tommy White and the 872 Laborers, Modelo, Remy Martin, Team Up for Excellence, Grimaldi's Meet Up Vegas, New Meet, the Meet Hookup, meetupvegas.com. We appreciate everything they do for us. Golden Entertainment, as they own the Strat, and we keep talking about our big remote that we're going to do there next year on Wednesday. Who else? Oh, the M Resort. Thanks to the M Resort and Michael E. Minden, my personal jeweler, and Resorts World, the vision of Scott Sabella. And the newest property on the uh, Strip, go get a cigar at 8 Cigar Lounge this weekend. Have a great weekend, everybody. Hope to see you out for some college basketball tonight or over the weekend. Thanks for listening to the flagship of the Raiders. This is Raider Nation Radio.